Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. You can find more relationship insights at focusonthefamily.com slash marriage podcast. I think if we're honest, we all have an inner self that we just don't want others to see. But in a marriage, hiding things from your spouse is destructive, and especially when it comes to a serious problem like pornography. I'm John Fuller, along with Dr. Greg Smalley and his wife, Erin, and they head up Focus on the Family's Marriage Department. And you've written on this issue and have recorded uh, a podcast series called No Porn Marriage. Greg, what are some ways that pornography damages that relationship between a husband and wife? Well, secrecy requires you to withhold parts of you. It's, it's in many ways, you have to compartmentalize yeah. to, to keep a secret, to keep whatever you're doing hidden. And therefore, you really can't go to those deepest levels of intimacy. And that's really what God designed our marriage to, to feel like, to be fully known, to, to know our spouse fully. And when you're holding secrets, you're not going to get there. Well, I appreciate that. And I hope that that is uh, a challenge to anybody that is holding on to something. Let's go ahead and return now to a conversation that Jim Daly and I had with Nick and Michelle Stumbo. They're from Pure Desire Ministries and have a really remarkable story about overcoming Nick's struggle with pornography. Nick and Michelle, welcome back to Focus. Yeah, great to be here. Um, Man, some difficult stuff, but the one thing, just watching the two of you interact, you've really come a long way. You can tell your love and affection for each other, even through difficulty, which I find the greatest point of hope for couples who are struggling with this. It's natural. It's, uh, I think, reasonable to want to say, I'm done, whether you're the wife Mm -hmm. uh, that has suffered through a an addiction by her husband or vice versa. It just seems like the easy way out. But I'm telling you, most couples that I have met that have fought through this battle have great intimacy emotionally, certainly physically, uh, and spiritually. There's something about fighting for your marriage in this way that there must be a sense of honesty that you both possess that really builds a better foundation than what you first had. Yeah, well, and it forces you to face all of your deepest issues uh, as individuals and as a couple. And if you face them and work through them rather than run from them, uh, God does produce something even more wonderful. And we definitely refer to our marriage as before and after. You know, the 10 years before this process and the eight years after, they're, they're so different. It is like night and day. It's, mm-hmm. it's the before Probably two and different after. episodes, at really least, is. if not two different types of marriages, yeah. right? One that's built on falsehood, the other built on truth. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing. And Nick, let me kick it off. In the book, you talk about the two Nicks. I think you describe it that way, and, and the sinful Nick and the good Nick, you know, the one that wants to pursue the Lord and be holy and live a life that's pleasing to him. Yeah. What was God speaking to your heart in that moment about the two Nicks? Yeah. I mean, I think every man knows exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I think we I call it the public me and the private me. It's like the me I want you to see and that I believe I am, and the private me is where I'm dealing with sin and brokenness and stuff I don't like. Um, and the real danger, uh, and what I discovered, is we can convince ourselves that the public me is the real me, that that's the best version of us, that if we could just get rid of all this other junk, we could be that. In fact, you ask God to destroy that private Nick. Yeah, because it feels like somehow that's not us. But I, I remember I was I was out running and just feeling so broken by it and asked God to take it away. And it was one of those few moments in my life I just really clearly felt I heard his voice, not you know audibly, but but just that whisper in my soul of saying, but that's the Nick I died for. Mm. And, and to know that he loved me in that part of myself and to become open to the idea that maybe that broken, 
struggling part of my life was actually more authentically me than anything I was publicly presenting mm. as this cleaned up persona was really an eye-opening part of this journey. And that is, as I look back to see how God worked through that, that all of that brokenness was actually revealing um, where God's design had been corrupted. And as he was able to bring in his truth in an experiential way and rewrite some of that faulty thinking, it, it really brought me alive. And what I feel happened, it begins to destroy that public me, private me divide. Yeah, we, like don't, we don't need to have both. Yeah. We need to be able to just be in public who we are in private and not fear that, that we'll be rejected for it. We just need to be vulnerable and humble and allow God to keep transforming us from the inside out. Mm. You're describing a tension point. You've been touching on this for some time now uh, in our conversation today. There's Paul in Romans talking about, you know, I'm a sinful man and I do the things I, I don't want to do and I can't quite straighten it all out. Did you identify with Paul's writing as you struggled, as you confessed, as you came back to that sin? What relationship did you have with that passage of Scripture? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think Romans 7 describes the the plight of anyone battling some sort of besetting sin that's like, it's there, and the harder I try, it seems like the more it comes back. You know, and then declaring with him the victory of who will set me free. Thanks be to Jesus Christ, our Lord, who leads us in victory. And and that hope of one day I'll, I'll really be able to say those words with conviction because one day I'll be free. One day there will be victory. But right now I'm stuck in the why do I do what I don't want to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in fact, that was part of when we shared our story with our congregation, referencing that passage to say, I feel like I've lived this passage for a number of years, even as your pastor, and asked for their forgiveness, asked for their help in starting groups for men and women that struggled, and, and tried to create an environment to say, this is the human predicament, not just for a few of us, that couldn't we all look at our lives somewhere and say, in spite of my best intentions, I do the things I don't want to do. And it it opens our eyes to see this isn't about just pornography or sexual sin, but really where do we as humans get off the mark and what does recovery and healing look like? You know, Nick described having a public self and a private self to hide from his struggle, and that is a real internal dilemma. How do you explain, uh, Aaron, that lack of authenticity and that that long-term problem for a marriage, and what can couples do if they're experiencing that? Well, first and foremost, John, it's so important that within the relationship, um, there's a deep longing within each of us to be fully known. That's just what God put in us, is to be fully known and fully loved and accepted. The problem within the relationship, then, is that when you're hiding these things, you're compartmentalizing these particular things off, like pornography, and you're compartmentalizing them off and setting them aside, and then you're not fully known. And in that compartment is some darkness. And so it has an impact not only on you, because you're coping with life, you begin coping in other ways as well with hiding and compartmentalizing, and then you're not fully known, yet the desire is there to be fully known. It's a real dichotomy and a real dilemma, isn't it? Yeah, and often within these things, there are those two different avenues of bringing it into the light and being known and free, or hiding and compartmentalizing. And it sets up, like you said, a real dichotomy. And I think, John, part of the the problem as well, in addition to the secrecy, is that pornography requires no relationship to find that sexual release. And and that's that's a huge challenge. So the the more that pornography is used, the less you really have to work at to build a relationship um, with your spouse. 
in within a normal sexual relationship, you know, I'm constantly having to woo Aaron. I'm having to build a relationship. I'm having to learn how to work through problems to talk, to understand her her inner life. And, and that requires a whole lot of work. And I'm, I'm not complaining. That, that's a good thing. That's part of the problem, the sad reality of pornography is it doesn't require any of that. I can get that sexual release with no effort. And that carries into a marriage. And all of a sudden now... I'm I'm not putting in any effort because I'm not used to doing it. It's that. not worth it, and I can find my release over here without all the entanglements right. of the relationship. Wow, that's a real problem. Yeah, and so we just want to encourage anyone listening that if this is something you're entangled into pornography, that it's it's what better day than to step forward into the light and come clean. No more hiding, no more secrecy. And it may be that you go into a licensed Christian counselor and have a third party there when you share this with your spouse. But whatever it is, start that process. Start going down the road of freedom and healing, forgiveness and restoration within your own heart, but also within your marriage. I appreciate that. I was going to ask you to go ahead and give some encouragement. As Aaron said, today is the day. Why don't you go ahead and break free, take steps into the light. And if you don't know who to call, call us here at Focus on the Family. We have caring Christian counselors. Um, They want to help you uh, take that step toward healing. They want to be part of God's solution to help save your relationship, your marriage. The number is 800, the letter A, and the word family. And um, as you know, we have a lot of resources here that we would recommend, and certainly Nick and Michelle's story is a fascinating book, a really terrific resource. It's called Setting Us Free, an unexpected journey of grace. And if you can, please make a generous donation of any amount to the ministry of Focus on the Family. And we'll say thanks for joining our support team by sending a copy of that book to you. Learn how you can donate uh, and get the book and make a difference, frankly, around the world in strengthening marriages when you hit the show notes and click the link there. Uh, You'll also find information there in the show notes about the No Porn Marriage podcast that we talked about that Greg and Aaron have created. It's really, really helpful. I'm John Fuller, and for Greg and Aaron and the rest of the team, thanks for joining us today for the Focus on the Family Marriage podcast.